We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Well, here we go. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet, and thank you so much for coming back each and every episode and for choosing our podcast in a sea of over a million other podcasts. But you know, when you have a guest like UFC star Sugar Sean O'Malley, I feel like it's an instant click. This guy is so insanely entertaining, both inside and outside of the octagon. And I'm pumped to have him on the show ahead of his next fight on July 10th, UFC 264 in Las Vegas. It's, of course, headlined by the rematch of Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. If you don't already follow Sean on social media, you can find him at Sugar Sean MMA. You can find me at Chris Van Vliet. And speaking of following, make sure you follow or subscribe to Insight wherever you're listening to this right now. And you can also follow Sugar Sean's show called the Timbo Sugar Podcast wherever you're listening to this. Let's get right into it. My guest today is a UFC fighter in the bantamweight division, and he has one hell of a story. Please welcome Sean O'Malley. Look at th- this. is like a whole vibe right here. Look at this. This looks amazing. I know. I feel like we're at a little, a little uh, concert, a Zoom concert. I was going to say welcome to the show, but I feel like you should be welcoming me to the Sugar Show. <laughs> Yeah, welcome, welcome to the Sugar Show. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on here. My goodness. So, w- where are we right now, by the way? Yeah, we're at a, we're at my gaming house right now. Um, my little brother and his girlfriend just moved down from Montana, so th- th- they just moved in like yesterday. So they're all they're getting their stuff moved in. Um, and yeah, so I, I have my setup at this house because my where where we just bought a house. Well, I guess it was back in October. The internet out there is just complete dog shit and i didn't realize it was going to be so i had to move my whole setup i moved it from here 
to there and then had to move it back in like the same week because I had to keep streaming. So, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're here at the gaming house. Must, must be nice to have an entire house just dedicated to gaming and great internet. Yeah. Content and internet or uh, content and gaming. Yeah. You are so entertaining both in and out of the octagon. And I'm really curious if like, if I was in like middle school with you and sat next to you, would I be sitting next to the same Sean O'Malley that's sitting in front of me right now? That's a good question. Um, I, I remember not so much. Yeah. I'd say late middle school. Yeah. Seventh, eighth grade. So I guess that's pretty much all middle school. Uh, yeah, I was, I was the, the entertainer, the class clown. I remember getting in trouble at school and going home and telling my parents, I'm like, no one wants to be there. If I can make everyone laugh and make their day enjoyable, why not? Even if I get in trouble, I remember saying that, I don't know if I was an eighth grader, if I was a freshman at that point. Um, but I, I always got in trouble in school and it was most of the time just trying to be goofy, trying to make, you know, the girls laugh, trying to make the boys laugh, just like trying to, you know, make friends and just be goofy. Who did you so, yeah, think? I'd say probably pretty similar. What did you think you were going to end up being when you grew up, when you were a kid? I thought I'd be in the NFL. Really? I, yeah. I mean, I mean, you don't know better when you're, you know, I was fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, maybe not so much. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I played football and, I, you know, I watched the NFL a lot. I lived in Montana. So it wasn't like, you know, I was just about around a bunch of average guys i was just a normal average kid so i didn't think of anything i didn't realize i wasn't going to be six five 280 pounds you know i didn't you know so i, th I thought i was gonna be in the nfl for a while um you know until probably about seventh eighth grade and then it hit me i'm like okay that's not gonna work um then i didn't know what i was i didn't really know what i was gonna do i didn't i didn't find kickboxing or fighting i guess till i was 16 years old um so there was a period of time where i'm i didn't know what i was gonna do but i really didn't stress about it too much um I knew I wasn't going to go to college when I was in like third grade. I was like, no, nah, not happening. I didn't like school. I hated school. Um, it didn't make sense to me. It still doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why people go to school for eight hours and learn eight different things and uh, have homework in eight different subjects and not like any of them. I mean, some kids, you know, enjoy math, science, whatever it is, but to be only to do, I didn't enjoy any of it. I liked sports. I was an athlete my whole life and I didn't want to go to school. Um, Luckily, I found fighting. So, when you're growing up in Montana, who's your NFL team? Broncos. I love. I love the diehard Denver Broncos. Would cry if they lost. Makes sense by proximity. They're, I guess, the closest team, right? Yeah, they were. I'm, oh, the I'm, Seahawks, my maybe. Broncos. My mom liked the Broncos. I think I really like the blue and orange colors, and, and you know, I don't really remember. Well, I think it's just because my mom liked the Broncos. My my dad liked the Cowboys, and my little brother liked the Cowboys. So it was kind of just opposite of whatever my brother wanted. So you said you found kickboxing, but I mean, you don't just stumble across it. How did you find it? I, I, I feel like uh, in this case, I kind of did just stumble across it. I, I remember vividly, I was 16, I guess not that vivid, but I don't remember. I was 15, 16 years old and we were in Utah on a vacation in the summer. So I was going into freshman year, I believe. Sure. And uh, my buddy called, called me on my flip phone. I answered him like, what's up? He said, do you want to check out this fighting gym? And I was like, yeah, I can't right now. I'm in Utah. I, I can't when I come back. And uh, it was in the summer and we, and we went down and I think the first class I ever did was a jujitsu class. Um, when I was 16 and I did a couple arm bars, didn't really, I, I liked it, but then I did, I think the next class was kickboxing. I'm like, Oh shit. I love that. Yeah. Um, 
So I completely didn't do any jujitsu, any wrestling, um, and just kickbox, hit mitts, sparred, shadow box, hit the bag. Um, from 16, 17, 18 years old, pretty much all I did was kickboxing. Um, had four kickboxing fights, had I think four boxing fights uh, up until I was 18. So it was just, you know, I remember going to school, Monday was a Friday, and then we had kickboxing practice after. And uh, just really enjoyed it, looked forward to it, and, and uh, was naturally, I think it was more more so I was an athlete than than good at kickboxing. Yeah. Cause I didn't really know any techniques. I didn't really know how to throw a proper one too. I was just an athlete and it, my style is similar now to, it's just a lot more advanced. It's been, I mean, it's been 10 years now, so I've actually got legitimate skills, but I think just when I started, I was an athlete and I was beating people up and it was, you know, addicting. Well, you're still beating people up. And the scary thing is yeah. you're just getting better and better every single yeah. fight. Like you're not even close to being in your prime yet. Not, no, not even close. I think I still got, you know, I, I'm, 26 i got i think you know 30 31 32 is when you're in your prime i think we you know we got a, we got a good amount of skills to you know get better at and i'm gonna be dangerous do you remember what your first introduction to ufc was maybe as a kid yeah i have a funny story about that my dad used to watch it and i was i, I was like i remember one time i wanted to watch tv and my mom thought it was just as weird as I did. Those guys like fighting in a cage. And I remember telling on my dad, I was pretty young, telling on my dad that he was watching fighting because I thought he was bad. I was like, why? We can't be watching that. Um, I, I think you're right. Faber was fighting. I don't know if it's the WEC or, or, or what, but I remember, I, I remember, um, Uriah Faber, Chuck Liddell and, and Tito Ortiz, like, what, um, that's kind of like the first introduction, but then for a long time, I didn't watch fighting. When I moved to Phoenix when I was 19 years old, I couldn't name the champs. I, I lived with Tim, my, my coach, Tim Wells, and he would always make fun of me. He's like, dude, you don't even know who the champ of your division is or, or like anyone. I'm like, I, so I didn't really watch it even still to today. I don't, I don't watch it a ton. You know, I'll watch like the card this weekend. I might watch a couple fights here or there. might completely forget about them. Um, I'll watch the stacked cards, you know, the really good cards. Um, I'll watch someone that, keep, you know, someone who's a who's an entertainer that knows how to entertain and, and promote a fight. Usually they catch my eye and I'll watch that. But uh, yeah. And when you look at a card, who's a guy or a girl on that card where you go, I am not missing their fight no matter what? Um, You know, there's that card, like the, the, I'm, I'm going to watch Izzy Marvin fight. I'm going to watch anytime Nate Diaz fights, Conor McGregor fights, you know, Dustin Poirier, even at this, at this point, Con, uh, Kamaru, you know, uh, Jorge, the, the top dog. I'm going to watch the top dogs. They're, they're interesting. Um, you know, and, and of course, any of my buddies fight. I train with, train with a bunch of guys, Mario Batista, Casey Kenny, Kyler Phillips. Like I train with, if any of my teammates are fighting, I'm going to watch hundred percent. So, um, but yeah, I'm not, like I say, I'm not a diehard because I play Xbox. I stream with, with some diehard fans who will watch from the prelims to yeah. the end and know every single fighter in their record and where they're from, who they train with. Like those guys are diehards. And you don't need to, all you need to care about is what's going on in your fights. I feel like. Yeah. I, I, I gotta improve. Um, that's about it. I gotta improve, um, uh, in my, in my jujitsu and my cardio and my striking, those three things. And, and that's about all that matters too much to me. You know, you want to talk about an entertaining fighter who knows how to sell a fight. Would you ever think about moving up? It'd be a total dream fight for you, I would imagine. 
to fight Connor? Yeah, I think, you know, Connor's quite a bit bigger when he's walking around fighting 170. Yeah. Um, but styles make matchups. I believe I'm, you know, way faster. Um, but yeah, what do you Connor's, walk around at? I'm, I'm 158 right now, you know, so it, it would be, it would be like one of those crazy fights that like, you know, dude, we're watching Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Watch Jake, Jake, uh, Jake Paul versus Ben. Like it's not impossible yeah. for me to fight Connor eventually someday. I don't think it's going to be anytime in the near future. I think I have to establish myself as a legend first. Like Connor's a legend. He's going to begin in the Hall of Fame. He's a legend. I have to establish myself there before I can even talk about getting big matchups like that. But I'm on the right track. I'm knocking people out left and right, and it's going to happen. So uh, I think you you finish fights. That's what's so exciting about your fights. Yeah, I've been knocking people out since I started kickboxing. When I was 16 years old, I was knocking people out too. Um, Not in as sweet a fashion, but I I was putting lights out when I was was 16 when I first started. And I've had over 30 fights. Talking about amateur, pro, kickboxing, boxing. I've had over 30 fights, and I've knocked a majority of them out. In those 30 fights, what's your favorite highlight so far? Whew, um, Maybe give me three. Yeah, okay, that's a little bit easier. The Alfred <laughs> fight, and the last one that really put me on the map, Snoop Dogg yelling O'Malley. That, that, was, that was up there to be number one, potentially. That was legendary. Um, you know, a fight that really felt good for me was when I took, had that two-year layoff, came back, fought Jose Quinones. Um, that was a powerful moment in my career. And um, I, that Eddie Wineland knockout was was so clean. But but I'd put that Eddie and the Thomas one right there next to each other. I, I loved how that fight ended. I loved how the commentators sounded. It sounded uh, I made them sound stupid. Uh, massive mistake. Huge mistake. Let him, uh, you know, I liked that, how that ended with, with Thomas. I feel like Snoop Dogg made that fight. I mean, that was incredible. Did you did you have any sort of exchange with him before or after that fight? Um, not before. I remember in an interview, I, I literally like remember in an interview saying, I'm going to go out there and perform and make Snoop Dogg say that he wants to meet me. I don't know if Snoop saw that or what, but right <laughs> after that fight, he's like, I want to meet that kid. I want to meet that kid, man. So uh, right after that fight, I, I went straight out to his, his, uh, his trailer and I got a smoke with Snoop. And, uh, you know, I was 22 years old and it that was insane. That was, that was like, I was, I, I that was the first time, you know, I've had a, a multiple times now throughout my career, especially now just being in Miami, feeling like I was living in a movie. I was like, yeah. wait, what we're, we're passing around. I'm like, I was like, it didn't even feel real. Is it the best weed you've ever smoked? <sighs> I don't even, that, that whole moment like was so crazy. Cause I just got signed, just came out. I just had a viral knockout. And I meant to smoke with Snoop. I was high on life. I didn't even need to smoke, and I was so high. See, so many people go on a Dana White's Contender Series and don't really take the ball and run with it. Like you went on there and you made a name for yourself, and like you took that opportunity and like you ran yeah. with it. Yeah, I mean, I was coming off of a, in my opinion, one of the sickest knockouts of all time in LFA when I, when I spinning kicked David Nuzo's head off, and you know, so I was going into that fight with a lot of momentum. I knew, I, I knew. You know, Snoop was going to be there. Dana was going to be there. Like, this is an opportunity you have to capitalize on. Um, and it's hard for some people aren't finishers. There's there's some people in the UFC that just aren't finishers. They're just not. They don't finish fights. They they go to decision, the decision, decision, decision. They just they're not they're not for me. Whatever. I, I'm a finisher. I knock people out. That's what I do. Um, 
And that's what the fans want to see. That's why I've built a name for myself. But then like the Sean that you are now is so different from that guy that was on the Contender Series. When do you feel like you really got a footing for who you are now? Yeah, I think um, I think that Sean back back then was I'm I'm still similar. I'm still like the same person, just evolved, obviously. Yeah. Um, but being in front of the camera more and more and more, you feel more comfortable because you know that was you know somewhat of the first time I've been in front of the camera, just getting introduced to interviews and um, so you know when you when that first happens, it's kind of weird. It's a little. It's like awkward. It's like, can't really be your full self, but now I'm so I'm way more comfortable being in front of the camera, way more comfortable entertaining and understanding what my job is. I'm an entertainer. Like I'm a UFC fighter slash entertainer. They go hand in hand. Some people are just fighters and they don't have, you know, they're not making the money I'm making outside the UFC. I'm getting paid from merch, YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram. Like I'm making six figures easy, sometimes six figures a month not even being in, not even from fighting like i'm so understanding entertainment and you and being a fighter and balancing that is uh something i've really gotten really good at well you're not just a fighter or just an entertainer you're an entrepreneur that's really what you are yeah right yeah merch like the merch drops we've been doing are going saying like the undefeated merch right after my fight i had to make up um undefeated merch i said i'm gonna post this right after my fight and um that that did six figures in a week like it was crazy that's brilliant so i'm a big wrestling fan and that is such a page out of the pro wrestling handbook to go all right this thing's gonna happen and then the second it happens you sell a t-shirt based on that i know i've actually never in my life ever watched pro wrestling well name any of them you would be a perfect (laughs) pro wrestling character i feel like you know what i feel like uh, a lot of opportunities are going to present itself um it, first of all i have to keep winning fights i keep knocking people out these opportunities are keep coming in but yeah i feel like uh a, a, a character a character is what i am a character is what i'm trying you know that's what people want to see they don't want to see some you know just nice gentleman dad who just you know, i'm if that's who someone is then that's who someone is but i feel like in real life i am a fucking character like i this is who i am all all day like i don't i'm not really switching my attitude or anything, uh, my personality too much. Um, my phone, (laughs) but yeah, no, yeah. I think, uh, characters what I'm going for. And I think big opportunities like potentially pro wrestling, um, you know, some kind of acting in the future, I I think would be cool. So, yeah. Can you imagine how much more money you'd be making on merch if you were able to wear those shirts as walkout shirts? (sighs) Yeah. But then I wouldn't be able to wear my venom gear. No, true. <laughs> no, I don't. I've never. I haven't seen the Venom stuff yet. My my fight, I think, was the last Reebok fight. That's right. So I haven't yeah. got the Venom outfits yet. Um, they look the exact same as Reebok, uh, with a different logo. So, but yeah, they're really. I think my last fight, I made like five thousand dollars from Reebok from from because it's per per fight or whatever. Um, but really, if I could wear my own stuff and and promote other sponsors, I could make six figures of fight off sponsors. But they're but I'm only making five thousand per sponsor. What's the what's the deal with Venom or at the time Reebok? Do you have to wear it down to the ring and then after the fight as well? And anytime there's UFC cameras on, so all of fight week. If it's a UFC oh, camera, wow. Besides, embedded's not a UFC camera, so that that's not. But all of the media, 
it can be, I could wear like in my own style suit or something that doesn't, that doesn't promote another company, but yeah, pretty much whole fight weeks, Reebok before the fight, after the fight, obviously during the fight with the, with the shorts. So I'm, I'm going to link up to your YouTube channel down below. We have about the same amount of subscribers. So a bunch of my people can come over and do yeah, you. Thank you. But where can people find your merch? Yeah, sugarshop.co. Um, usually, usually I have it in my Instagram bio too. It's usually the one that's on there. Uh, but yeah, sugarshop.co. I love the fashion. I actually just did a huge fashion um, magazine for Icon this weekend in Miami that uh, Bruce Weber shot. He, he's, you know, I was wearing the newest uh, Versace, the newest Louis. Um, it, it was crazy because I've never really been a part of the fashion world. But I was wearing like a five thousand dollar necklace that just was like pretty simple and like random. It was it was really fun. Uh, but doing doing that kind of fashion was really fun, and it was something I've always wanted to get into. So having our, our own merch, Danny and I, like she's my wife, um, she helps it design and 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 do all that stuff. So yeah, sugarshop.co and the merch is fantastic. Does this mean after this magazine spread that we're going to see you coming to the arenas like dressed to the nines like Connor? That would be ideal. It's, it's been uh it's been hard to wear outfits with with when the COVID because the the media day wasn't the same. It was over Zoom. I didn't really feel like getting dressed up to sit in the chair for you know. I want if I'm gonna get dressed up, I want to interact, you know, shake hands, talk eye yeah. to eye with the you know. So I think you know July 10th T-Mobile Arena, um, I, it's gonna be packed. Media day is gonna be packed, and you you better best believe I'm gonna be wearing something. I I love how juxtaposed it is that you have rainbow hair on top and you'll be wearing like a five thousand dollars suit. Yeah, we'll. I mean, we'll see what. I don't know what we're gonna wear yet. Um, but for the most part, most of my stuff hasn't been too, um, too expensive. A lot of a lot of cool outfits I've gotten have been from Goodwills, just thrift shopping, finding random stuff that looks good together. Um, but who knows if if, if there's something out there that's really expensive that I'm like, God, I gotta wear it. I'll get it. But for the most part, I'm just kind of trying to just see whatever, just being different. How much thought did you put into dyeing your hair for the first time? Um, probably about as much thought as I thought of getting face tattoos. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, it was actually funny because I remember when I first got into the UFC, when I fought Terry on Ware as my debut, I had thought about doing like crazy hair. Um, dyeing my hair but i was like god i'm not i don't, I don't have a name yet i haven't made it made myself a name yet to where i think it would come off bad i didn't want people to be like what the fuck so i went a couple of fights went a couple of fights and i'm on my on the xbox with my buddies and my boy schmitty's like you should do your hair like six nine i'm like god i've actually thought about that a lot and that night i told my girl she does hair my girl does all my hair and at that night i'm like let's go so she got home from work and then we actually just turned around went right back to the salon made my hair rainbow. It took like nine hours, got home at like three, like I don't, it, 3 a.m. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think, uh, the, I love, we've, I've had probably seven different hair colors now since we started. And, you know, I think it's, it, it makes, you know, it pops, it makes people, you know, look. Oh yeah. It definitely makes people look. I think the first time I saw it, I was, I wasn't sure if that was real hair or not. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely real. It's nice because, like I said, she does hair, so she knows how to keep my hair. We had to cut like four inches off because it was so dead from coloring it so much. So we cut like four inches off, and and now it's the the curl was completely gone about a couple weeks ago until she cut it, and then uh, you know did some treatments on it, and then we recolored it, and you know my hair is healthy now, healthy and alive. 
Is she the one that's doing the braids in your hair too? She she's done all the braids except for the last one. The last one was a pot leaf, and and she doesn't know how to do that. But she also wasn't at the that last UFC um, because well we had our baby and, and and the UFC wouldn't allow weird quarantine and hotels. So the UFC lady did my hair. Okay, so you mentioned you know you had the baby. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. How much has becoming a dad changed you as a person? I th- you know I think. I think uh, whoever's running this world we live in and has big plans for me, um, you know, had had me have a baby at the right time because this year, is, I never really partied ever in my life. I've never went out. I've never been to a crazy clubs. And, and you know, after my last fight, we went out to the club in Vegas, um, went to Georgia, to the boxing, went to the club in Georgia, went to Miami. Like, I've been doing all these things. Um, because of all these opportunities present itself. Hey, do you want to go to Miami, uh, Georgia and watch the Ben Ashman, Jake Paul fight? I'm like, ah, yeah, of course I want to. I, yeah. Are you kidding me? You know how many people are going to be watching that? Of course I'm going to go. Uh, then Miami, that photo shoot. And then it's like the, oh, there's a six, nine concert that night. And then there's Travis Scott's birthday party. So I'm taking advantage of all these opportunities to get my name out there. Um, and it's fun, man. Partying's fun. Like I can't lie to you. Say it's not super fun and enjoyable, like enjoyable in its own way. Um, and I could get lost in that world, maybe. Yeah. But having the baby, you know, it's like, I can't wait to get back to Danny and Elena. Like, I have, that's keeping me grounded. And it's, uh, it's I think it's a good thing. Because, like I said, it's fun going out, partying, doing all that stuff. But, you know, having having Elena, having Danny here. And when I'm in Arizona, I don't party. It's training. It's gaming. It's, you know, do, living that life. It's living the life what got me here. The last 10 years have been, training gaming and now it's it's no different training gaming and, and now i have a baby so um it's, it's been really good watching her grow she just turned six months it's it, i don't even know how to describe um it's crazy how how big they get so fast i i am not a father i can't imagine like all my all my friends that are parents they're always like i haven't slept in you know six months or a year or whatever and like Again, like when you're when you're away for a few days, you come back and they've grown like they're twice the size now. Yeah, no, the sleeping's real. I mean, every night she's pretty much only been breastfed for the last six months. She's slowly starting to have, you know, soft foods, but she'll wake up every single night and want want milk, like want to be breastfed. And we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, she wakes up, I wake up, Danny wakes up. So 
I've, I've got a lot more sleep than Danny has because she has to get up and, and feed. And, um, I don't know how they do it. The moms, women are, they're different. They're built different, man. They, I don't know how they function on the lack of sleep because I know if I get a lack of sleep, I don't really, I need to sleep. I need to fucking sleep and, and they yeah. can't, she still goes to work and she still does jujitsu and she still compete in her jujitsu competition in a couple of weeks. It's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. She's, she's an animal. So, um, I, I think, think I she might out. be, she might be wonder woman from the sounds of it. Yeah, she definitely is. Moms are, moms are, they're just built there. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp.com slash insight. What's non-negotiable for you in your daily life? Um... When I, when, yeah, when I'm home, just missing training, like there's, if I'm, I just don't miss training. I can't miss training. It's, it's been like that for the last 10 years. Even when I was back in Montana, I wasn't training at good gyms. There's no good gyms in Montana, but I would still go. I'd still go and get as good as I could. Um, now that I'm back in Arizona, it's, it's the same thing. It's, I just can't miss training. Can't miss grappling. Can't miss my strength and conditioning. <clears throat> I also, I also don't need Tim, my coach, or Brandon, my strength and conditioning coach, to tell me, "Hey, we need to train." It's it's me hitting them up, saying, "Hey, what 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 time are we training at?" So um, I do a very good job of, of staying disciplined and getting the work in. I would feel like that's just part of your job, though. Like I, that, that's kind of like just showing You'd up. Be surprised. To <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, tra- training every day. It's it gets. You know, you have to constantly find little things that motivate you, or even if you're not motivated, still go. You know, it's not, you know, once you've made a lot of money, you're like, ah, do I really need to go to the gym today? But yeah, it's, it's, uh, you'd be surprised. I know a lot of fighters that, you know, take off more than they need to. What about in your personal life? What's non negotiable for you in your personal life? Um, non-negotiable. I, I don't know. 
pretty open-minded to anything, to everything. I don't really have, I'm not too set in any certain beliefs that I'm like, this is it. This is, this is it or it's no other way. Nothing that I can kind of think of. Some people that are like, it's eight hours of sleep a night or meditate every day or whatever it is. Okay. Okay. No, that was, uh, I wasn't even thinking like that. Yeah. That's a good, I, I, my sleep is, is money. Um, we have, we just got a super dope cold plunge. I've been cold plunging for probably three years now. Just, I was just doing it in the regular ice freezer chest, fill it up with water, plug it in, um, plug it when you get in. So you but I just got a, this, this company called plunge just sent me a good cold, a really nice cold plunge. So sleeping, um, cold plunging and, and it's been a lot harder starting my morning every morning off with like a 10 minute meditation, whether it's a, just like a YouTube one where it's more gratitude or where, whether it's like a Sam Harris one waking up where it's more, um, uh, he has a bunch of different, different kind types of meditation on there. But I, I really, really, I don't know if the word, yeah, I do enjoy it. Start my morning off with 10 minutes of meditation of, of silencing my mind, quieting my mind. Um, I think that makes me feel a lot better throughout the day. And, um, so yeah, I'd say that meditation, uh, cold plunge and, and making sure I sleep, get good sleep or as good a sleep as I possibly can, which means for us going to bed earlier, yeah. I go to bed at 11 o'clock, wake up at seven. My sleep's not going to be nearly as good as if I go to bed at 1039, like just those little half hour, hour, two hours sleep what will change the quality of your sleep. So what's the first half hour of your day look like? First half hour of the day? Um, it depends if Elena wakes up before me. If I wake up before Elena, then I can I go outside. Um, it's beautiful out usually. It's getting warm now, but we have a really, really nice place up in Peoria with a nice um, view. Go outside, do my 10-minute meditation, go inside, wake have, Elena's usually up, change her diaper, um, and then I take her outside. She loves listening to the, the birds in the morning. There's bunnies in the grass. The, the um, It's usually – it's it's nice – taking her outside early in the morning, just kind of, you know, not grabbing my phone and start surfing. So usually the first 30 minutes, I'd probably start making coffee. Well, I always have to hydrate. I get hydrated before I start making coffee. Um, you know, I think that's super important. So I get very, I get really hydrated, um, a little bit of salt in my water, uh, and then make coffee every morning. I use an AeroPress, love making coffee for Danny and I, um, that usually takes up about 30 minutes. Where does your podcast fit into everything that you're doing? The Timbo Sugar Show. <laughs> yeah, the Timbo Sugar Show is uh it's been fun. We've been doing that for a couple of years now. And I think, you know, that's only one hour a week. Um, that's uh Wednesdays at 10:30, we record it. It's usually about an hour long. Um, I just show up and talk. Tim usually has the stuff written out that we're gonna talk about. And um, then my boy JX, who who does our vlogs, our podcast, my other buddy Dana, who does helps JX run that. Um, we do that just once a week, but my little brother just moved down from Montana and he, uh, he's trying to figure out what, you know, he's, um, trying to figure out what to do in life. So I was, I was like, let's start another little YouTube segment, you know, bullshit with sugar or shooting the shit with sugar. And he's just going to come up with current events and we're going to, you know, keep running with that. And, um, but yeah, shooting contents, you know, pretty, it's easy. It's fun. It's not like a, it's not like something you have to stress about it's just it's easy it's fun uh so the podcast I, I enjoy the podcast i enjoy making youtube videos i enjoy making tiktoks like and making money doing it it makes it even better is the i mean does that take away from your training or is that your break from training 
yeah, I mean, a lot of people think you, you know, or, you know, you don't train six hours a day. Yeah. I'll get up, I'll go to the gym from, from 10 to 11, 15, 11 30 for the, for a morning session. And then from 11 30 till five, you know, I'm, I'll, I usually take a nap, especially when I'm in camp, I'll take a nap, I'll eat. Um, and then I'm chilling, I'm, you know, not doing much. So we bust out a quick video, um, and train again in the afternoon, but yeah, realistically you only train like four hours, three and a half, four hours a day. And, and um, you, you have surprisingly a, a ton of free time. Has, have you always been this entrepreneurial? I, I, I remember when I was in, uh, when I first started fighting MMA, when I was 18, I, I did, I was selling shirts. I was doing, you know, just, just cheap shirts that I looking back, they weren't, they weren't good, but, but my fans, my family, like the fans back home would buy them. I'd make, you know, I'd make a thousand dollars and I'd be able to live off of that for like two and a half, three months. So, but, so yeah, I guess I was, I was always kind of making little highlight videos on my Instagram of training, um, promoting myself, um, highlight videos of the fight, like clipping up like shitty, shitty vert, like quality, like horrible. But yeah, I guess, you know, that was, that was me being an entrepreneur in a sense. I mean, I love it. Who, whose footsteps do you think you've been following in, in, in MMA? Yeah, I feel like I'm creating a whole, uh, my own path. I feel like there's a little bit of Connor in there with like, you know, he, when, when Connor came on the scene and started, you know, selling, I mean, I guess, I guess Chael did it too, talking, you know, but I didn't really watch the UFC that much ever. I didn't really know who Chael was. I didn't know. So Connor was the first big person. I was like, oh shit, that motherfucker's getting a lot of attention and his weigh-ins are sold out. Like I want my weigh-ins to be sold out. I don't want the sugar fans to be going crazy. Like that's the stuff I want. So I'd say probably, probably Connor if I had to pick one, but I really truly do think I'm doing something, you know, different. So I'm, I'm doing something bigger. I feel like we got to We got to put a title on this man. How, how many fights away do you think you are from a title shot? Yeah, I, I just announced or. I mean, the, I, I haven't signed a contract. I don't think he signed a contract, but Luis Smoker got announced. Um, that's who they offered me. I got a ton of people, not a ton, a good amount of people, you know, a little upset with, with, the with the fight getting out. I was calling out Pedro Munoz. I called out Peter. I called out Dominic. I was trying to fight these top dogs. Um, but UFC, they're, they're their own business. Like they're running their show, how they believe they're running. I don't have any say. I'm not a matchmaker. They came to me, said, do you want to fight Luis Smoker July 10th? And I said, yes, that, that was as simple as that. Um, um, yeah, title fight. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to knock out Luis Smolka um, and then get a big fight. Top, who knows, top 10, top five. We'll see if Cody doesn't get knocked out for the 14th time. Uh, maybe it's Cody next. Maybe Dominic. I don't think Dominic would take that fight. Uh, Peter's not going to take that fight. He's got that title fight coming. So we'll see. Um, knock out Smolka, knock someone out, out by the end of this year. And I think early 2022, we could be looking at a title. It's so, I mean, I know, I know you've said this in other interviews. It's not about the fact whether you win or not. It's how you win these fights. <laughs> yeah, totally. I go out there and win a decision and it's boring. I ain't fighting. I'm not fighting a big name. I'm not fighting someone with, with a name. Um, I go out there and knock them out the way I've been knocking people out. I'm, I got to, I pretty much get to call my shot. So, well, yeah. I guess that's not necessarily true because I knocked out Thomas and I was calling out big name opponents and I didn't get one, but, um, I, I think we're this close. We're this close. Uh, Luis, I think he's finished 15 of his 17 wins. 
He's never been knocked out. He's a he's a vet. He's got he's got a ton of UFC experience, twice as much as me. Um, so I, I don't think it's an easy fight. I'm not gonna run. Well, I might. Ah, well, I probably will run through him. But that's gonna take me being focused for the next ten weeks, training, getting in getting in shape, insane fifteen minute cardio shape, and putting his lights out for fifteen minutes because he's tough. People literally get tired of beating him up and then he finishes people. So I got to be, be ready to beat him up for 15 minutes. I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but you're represented by VaynerMedia. So I'm really curious to know, what did you do to get on Gary Vaynerchuk's radar? Yeah, he actually hit, he hit me up a couple of times um, in, in the DMs because uh, I, I didn't have a manager for a long time because I had a, the manager I, I said I had, VaynerMedia, I meant Vayner Sports. Yeah, VaynerSport, yeah. Um, the manager I had when I first started, um, fighting was, it was, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good job. Like just, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm paying you more than you're making me. It doesn't make any sense. So I went, <clears throat> I went manager free for like two years doing my own thing. And then, um, my dad, Gary, I don't know how they talk. My dad's like, oh, I think you should really try to, um, hear, hear them out, hear them out. So just got on a FaceTime with, or a Zoom with Gary and his team and uh, made sense. Made sense to me to, for me to go with them. I'm still waiting on that, that big, that big sponsorship coming in. But I, you know, I think uh, they've been extremely helpful um, with, in the last, since I've signed with them, they've been very helpful. Um, I, I do a lot of the work with Sarah who, who's fucking awesome she's she gets me into all the clubs gets me you know into the into the concerts uh so she's been cool lloyd's been awesome um i don't speak to gary often um but i know he's he's, he's doing his thing for me and, and stuff so but yeah uh vayner sports has been um been good i mean and it makes sense you're a social media guy and they are a social media forward company yeah i think I, I really do think they're gonna you know be able to do some big six-figure deals for me um you know especially if i keep doing my job which is knocking people out making yeah. good content um they'll be able to get some good sponsors for me i know you've been saying that you are still undefeated and i don't know if you're aware of this or not but someone went in and edited your wikipedia so your wikipedia says you're 13 and oh oh really yes good smart people yeah i mean yeah, it's it, that. That's that's been a funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're they're right. I, I in my mind, I really don't feel like I I was beat that fight. Um, I was whooping his ass, and you know his it, his toe. If it was even if it wasn't his toe, it was still such a freak accident. Um, that's just not a loss in my mind, and a lot of people don't know how to deal with that because a lot of people I don't know why they can't deal with that, but. Yeah, it's, it's been a uh, quite the the thing to talk about. Did you immediately know something was wrong with your leg? My foot was completely. It was like a numb. It was like numb, and it felt like there. It also felt like it was just thousands of little needles in my foot, and I couldn't lift it up. So every time I stepped forward, it would roll. And I remember drag. I vividly remember dragging it across the cage, and him standing there, and still thinking he. Uh, he can't do shit to me. Like he didn't even take me down. I fucking fell down because my ankle completely gave out. Cause I rolled it like five times. Even when my ankle was just dead, I was still piecing him up, dotting him up. So yeah, it was, uh, I remember feeling it completely numb and it was just, I didn't know what happened because like that kick didn't land hard. It literally his toe hit the nerve 
Like like his toe hit a button, a tiny wow. tiny button. Um, and yeah, it was super weird. Um, it was weird how he celebrated like he'd done something. Um, it, how it was long a, until it was you got weird. feeling back in your leg? Shortly after the nerve oh. came, I, I was able to walk out. They, the UFC was like, no, get on a stretcher, get on a stretcher. And uh, I was like, well, fuck it. I just fucking lost and my foot hurts. I'll get on the stretcher. But yeah, I was my foot was fine. Um, basically just sprained it like five fucking times. And it just uh, was it was like the recovery was just basically a really severe sprained ankle. Do you feel like you need a rematch against Cheeto? If he works his way up, um, you know, I, I did him a favor. He was coming off a loss. I did him a favor, you know, fighting me. He it was a co-main event on a huge pay-per-view because of me. Um, and the way he handled that win was, it was embarrassing. He got up screaming like he did something. Um, I just don't feel like he deserves it. And that's just, if, if he, if he can climb his way back up, he, he hasn't won a fight in like two years. He's oh two and one. He lost to, or he lost to a song. He had no contest with me. And then he lost to Jose Aldo. He's oh and three in his last three. So really hasn't done anything. Um, now he's fighting another turd. And, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he does something, something cool and works his way up to me. I just think he's a journeyman. I think he's just going to keep win, lose, win, lose. And I'm going to be the top dog, the star of the UFC. So if he can earn, earn a, earn a rematch, then yeah. But for, for the most part, you know, after, after me, you stop talking about him or after our conversation, I probably won't really talk about him anymore, much anymore until he, you know, earns it. Mm. So you say you want to be a top dog, you want to be a top star in UFC. How many years or months do you think until that's you? Yeah, I think I think uh, I'm gonna. You know, it's been a slow build, really. It's been you know, it's going up. It's not super slow. It's actually been kind of fast. But I think you know, just keep winning fights. You know, I I go out there and beat Luis Smolka. You know, yeah. my stock grows up that much more. Um, and then it, you know, beating a top a top ten dude, I think really will solidify. Um, I'm a star you know, whether after I beat a top 10 dude, I could probably start headlining pay-per-views. Well, I mean, there's no question that when someone sees you fight based number one on your fighting style, but number two, your look, you are unforgettable when you're in the octagon. Thank you, brother. Yeah. I think I feel so fluid in there. So smooth. I don't see anytime I watch people fight, I don't see that in, in, in them. I, I feel different in that cage. I just feel so present and fluid and just, um, I, I just feel different in there. I'm so excited to see you in there, July 10th. Thank you, Will. In front of a full crowd, too. Woo! Yeah, the full crowd's going to change the game. You talked a little bit about gratitude earlier, and I end every conversation, Sean, talking about gratitude. So I want to know what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Um, being surrounded by my family. Um, Danny, my wife's awesome elena our baby girl she's literally perfect and then uh my mom's moving down with me she's got a room at my house um it can be difficult living with your mom but it's you know at the end of the day it's pretty cool um my little sister lives with me right now she's actually going to be moving in with my little brother who lives just moved in so you know being being able to be close to my family again because i lived here for seven years in phoenix and they all lived in montana so they're all just moving down right now and it's pretty cool um to my family. And then obviously my friends, I think, uh, I was just thinking about this the other day, how much more important friends are than having money. Like if you had to pick one of the, one of the other, it's like those, those conversations, those times you have with your friends are so much more important. And 
um, you know, especially going on these trips with coach, my coach, who's also my best friend, Tim, who's also my business partner. And, and so having those friends my, and JX being able to come with us to Miami to vlog everything and we're working uh, and, and having a good time. So family is up there. Friends is right behind it. And then uh, I, I guess I'm grateful just for finding a passion and having something to look forward to every day, whether it's, you know, now it used to just be fighting. Like that was it. Like I, my passion is fighting. Now it's creating content. I really enjoy creating content. Um, you know, through creating content, I'm able to pay, you know, my little brother, my little sister, you know, I have my mom, my dad, everyone on the payroll, my whole family's on the payroll. So be able to create content and, and pay my family and friends, my, my coach, I can pay my, both my coaches, like they can make good money. Like my family, it's, it's been cool. So family, friends, and just having, being able to, or finding that passion. Cause a lot of people struggle finding something that they truly enjoyed and enjoy doing. And I, I lucked out. I've really enjoyed this man. Sugar Thank Sean you. O'Malley. Thank you so much for your time today. Yep. Absolutely, man. Thank you. That was, that was a lot of fun. No, that was great. I, and I, I'll, I will never have another interview with a background as cool as this. Oh, I know. I look like I'm at a strip club or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sugar Sean O'Malley. Great conversation with a great guy. And this next fight is big for him because a win here, along with another win or two, and you'd have to think that he's in line for a title shot. By the way, if you couldn't tell, I'm just in awe of excellence. I love being able to pick the brain of someone like Sean, who's at the top of his game. And what's scary is he just keeps getting better. Take a screenshot, share this with one of your friends who loves MMA. Tag us on social media so we know you're on this ride with us. Sean is at MMA. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And wherever you're listening to this, you can check out Sean's podcast called The Timbo Sugar Show. And you can also subscribe to my podcast if you haven't subscribed yet. Don't you just feel like Sean O'Malley was put on this earth to be a fighter? I mean, he's so masterful when you see him in the octagon. I love it. It reminds me of this quote that I will leave you with from Marie Curie, who says, we must believe that we are gifted for something and that this thing, at whatever cost, must be attained. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight.